This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tecova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovas.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. Welcome to DSC's Untamed Heritage, the unique blend of hunting, conservation, and the outdoor lifestyle. Delivered in an entertaining and informative fashion as only a veteran outdoorsman can do. DSC's Untamed Heritage is brought to you by Dallas Safari Club. Conservation, education, protecting hunters' rights. Hornady, accurate, deadly, dependable. Trigicon, brilliant aiming solutions. Texas raised hunting products, the scent gods. Burnham Brothers Game Calls, calling his calls made. Double nickel taxidermy, where hunting memories are preserved. Now here's your host, Larry Wysoon. Hunting seasons are open, mule deer season is here in Texas, and it's one of those times where we're getting an opportunity to spend again on the hard grove branches. And this evening, I'm very feel truly honored to have uh, Josh Lyle with Trigicon and Eddie Stevenson with Driftwood Media, who's also involved with uh, Trigicon, and of course Craig Archer, who runs the hunts and does a bunch of other things for the hard grove branches. Gentlemen, it's absolute great to spend time with y'all in hunting camp. Right here. And some of you have had extremely good success, Josh. <laughs> it's been a good week. Came in here to take a mule deer and ended up being able to take a great one on the first day. And uh, then ended up deciding to go ahead and try to take a whitetail as well. And so it has been quite a week. Now, this was your first mule deer? That's right. It was, yeah. Uh, whitetail is, you know, I've come from the southeast most of my life. Uh, right. My hunting life. And uh, so mule deer are not on the not on the menu over there. So getting the chance to come out here to Texas and uh, and hunt my first one was uh, super exciting, and I couldn't think of a better place. Well, this is a very special place as far as I'm concerned because it's it's really kind of unique. A lot of people may not know the mule deer were really kind of 
accidentally introduced in this country back in the early 1950s. They were moving mule deer from the Trans-Pecos of Texas to the Panhandle. The truck broke down and they didn't know what to do with it and they were concerned about the health of the animals so they just opened the doors and released them not very far from here uh, where we are right now, really kind of close to Snyder. Tell me about your, what was your impression about hunting mule deer? Now I know you've obviously hunted whitetail. How would you compare mule deer hunting to whitetail hunting? They they just seemed to be such a such a calmer animal. I mean, I just they were so much more zen. And, you know, like you say here, you've got both the whitetail and the mule deer in Which the same. Really cool. so it's just so interesting to see how their behaviors are different. And you're going in a field and you got both of them there, and you know you got the whitetail take one glance at you coming through the field and those tails go up and they're gone. And the mule deer look at you and it's almost like they yawn and they just keep they just keep eating. And uh, yeah, so it was really interesting to see that and. Uh, just the, the behavior even between, because obviously we're getting here into the rut, and right. so seeing that uh, behavior is a little different uh, with the mule deer, how they handle it as well. And um, yeah, it's just interesting. And they're beautiful animals, man. See, I've seen pictures of obviously, but to actually get up close with them, oh, it's just gorgeous animals. I love the coloring of them and everything else. They're just, it's been great to see. And we, you know, we got to see several bucks out there. So we, we were just one. So we got to see a few and they are just, every one of them beautiful. You, you did. I, I, obviously, I mean, this is, again, it's such an absolutely great place. These mule deer really haven't been hunted. I mean, I've hunted deer where mule deer were every bit as spooky as what the white-tailed deer were. These deer here have really kind of, they've kind of lived a pretty good life, haven't they? Here in background noise, we're in camp. Uh, we're just finishing an absolutely fabulous evening meal from a great hunt today. The steaks the size of small, no, of large roast. But, <laughs> so you you may hear some yawning here occasionally in the background as well too. I want to stay with Josh for just a little bit before we get with your rest of the guys. But tell me a little bit about your hunt and what you use. I mean, obviously you're, you're with Trigicon. Oh yeah. And. Uh, what what scope did you choose to use for this particular hunt? So for this hunt, I'm I'm using an AccuPoint uh, two and a half to twelve and a half. So AccuPoints obviously are you know our our, our scope that we're probably the most well known for in the hunting circles because you don't have to worry about a battery to still have that illuminated reticle. So it's got the fiber optic that gives you the light during the day, and then it gives you the tritium should the fiber not be getting any light and real real dim light. Um, like for instance the dim light I took the, the whitetail in this morning um, or uh, you know if you're, you're in a situation where you're kind of in that transition period it's nice to have those two different options for illumination but never have to worry about a battery going dead so that's the AccuPoints what I use on my kind of go-to hunting rifle and uh, it's a 6.5 Creedmoor and of course I always run Hornady LDX in there a 143 grand and it is just I mean there's not it's not been an animal that I've put that bullet on that hasn't gone has gone any more than about 50 feet they just they just drop it's just an amazing bullet so uh, the combination of that bullet and the optic is just perfect and uh, yeah I took out that mule deer and then in short progress later took out that white tail today on your mule deer we were not very far away when we Kind of, well, actually, we kind of ran into each other and saw some bucks. They disappeared. They kind of walked off. And then tell me what happened. Yeah, they disappeared. And so we started going on down this little trail a bit and kind of coming around in a circle. And uh, and then all of a sudden we saw another uh, another buck that had, unlike you know any of the other ones we had seen before, at first we thought he might be, but no, he was a whole different one. 
and uh, just a beautiful animal. And of course, you know, he was chasing the doe, and so you know, she was kind of going along and kind of hoping she was going to come towards us, not away from us. And she did for a bit, and so got you know, got in position, got there, kind of got the, the beat on it. And just as I, you know, had that uh, that illuminated reticle right there on the side, just he just turned right around, put his butt right at me, and started walking away. And so we just had to wait a bit and just kind of sat there and. They, you just kept following that doe. That doe kind of turned off to the side, and then he turned and gave me that, that nice broadside shot for you know, about two or three seconds and uh, took it. So it was uh, very fortunate that we came across him. He's a beautiful animal. He really is. He's actually a five-by-five, five, and I'm a little jealous, I'll tell you what. He's <laughs> for a, a desert mule deer, particularly in the areas. I mean, there are a few bigger ones, but they're very few and far between. And he was like, what, 25 or so yeah, inches so wide? right about. Good forks on one side, the other side didn't fork quite as deeply, but mm -hmm. absolutely fantastic animal. I love that AccuPoint to me. That's probably the, the one scope that, if, like you said, it's a go-to. I've used them in dangerous game situation. I've used them hunting mountain game and all that kind of thing. And oh, it's, it's fabulous, Eddie. Yes, sir. So what were you doing here? And well, you, and, and as, as I say that, I'm looking over and Pico is. Pico happens to be a Jack Russell, and uh, <laughs> he's kind of been your costume companion since we've been here. So, what you, you've been here, you've hunted in the past. Right. Well, honestly, I was here two weeks ago, and um, I did a whitetail hunt uh, for with the media for Trigicon, and we, we had the Huron series of scopes, and we had the AccuPoint series of scopes, and a lot of the time, uh, these guys hadn't seen the Huron yet at all, so um, this, it was kind of their first... Uh, sneak peek with the Huron and be able to use it in the field and uh, that's you know that's Trigicon's a little more entry-level version for for whitetail hunters in particular it has everything Trigicon is known for it just does not have an illuminated reticle and it has hunter holes um, and uh, something that they can use for any common caliber and I had the guys out here for that and we had such a good time on our whitetail hunt I saw so much game and uh, the facility, the, the guides, everything was more than I could ever ask for. And uh, honestly, when we found an opportunity to come out and mule deer hunt after that, I knew you were going to be here as well. So, and I've got my little pup with me, and uh, <laughs> he's my blood trailing dog. And, and right. literally, I, I got a lot of work for him the, the week before when we were out here. And frankly, there wasn't much work, but I, but I pretended there was. And, exactly. And I got him on the track of a lot of different deer, and I figured, well, let's bring him out again this week and I was able to spend time with you and Josh and you know I was fortunate enough to hunt with Josh for his mule deer and his whitetail so I got to be the spectator for that and that I would you know I love doing that as much as I do hunting my own game. Got to do so, everything to pull the trigger Oh right? yeah absolutely and um, but it's, it's just been a blast it's been a lot of fun and I can't wait to come back. Well that's truly an interesting area in so many ways because in terms of habitat you're dealing with kind of a sandy country that's shin oak, and shin oak is basically oak that comes up to your shins or maybe above your knees, and it's, it's there in, in great amounts on that country. That's sandy, and then you go to the edge of the river bottoms here, like the double mountain fork of the Brazos, and I mean, it turns into a totally different world, doesn't it, Mr. Archer? Very much so, very much so. You get a lot of variety through a short of uh, mileage up and down this whole area, so. I mean, you can stand in one spot literally and have one foot in in canyon country, and it's it's kind of it's kind of a reddish clay sandstone mixed with all kinds of different other colors. The 
the, the gradients that where you see like a bluff is just out of this world pretty. It is. It is. It's uh, very unique from one aspect to the other. It's, uh, you know, therefore you also, a lot of people think when you get into that old rough country, like in those breaks, that, that's strictly mule deer country. Well, fact of the matter is, you're going to find just as many whitetails in there as you will muleys. And so, you know, when you come out here, the people that come out here, you know, you have to be fairly aware of what game you're looking at. And uh, as you darn sure don't want to pull the trigger on the wrong one. Exactly. Exactly. Because so, the mule deer is very restrictive here in a lot of different ways, is it not? They are. They are. You know, I mean, I guess I've always kind of, you know, when I got here, shoot, 12 years ago now, it's it was uh, hardly any mule deer here. And... I set out to grow that herd, and it's always been about low pressure and letting them grow, leaving them alone. And uh, as you can see, we're, we're, our numbers have great, greatly increased. Uh, yeah, in a day's worth of hunting, it's not uncommon to see 100 total mule deer. It's not. It's really not. I mean, and, uh, you know, we're, on, we're to the point now that uh, I've started looking into maybe possibly doing some MLD for mule deer, uh, especially because of the does, because our does are just, we have so much, many more does than we do bucks at this point that we need to probably eliminate some of them within the next few years to keep our numbers better for the breeding purposes. Exactly. And what you're referring to is the MLD is the managed land permit that's acquired through the Texas Park and Wildlife Department, and then they issue permits for both bucks and does based upon the population, long-term goals, and, and the habitat, you know, at that particular moment kind of thing. And that's, that's an absolutely fabulous program because that too allows you to hunt later into the, to the uh, sure enough breeding season. Exactly. And, you know, and I mean, you know, like as y'all noticed through this hunt here, I mean, a lot of the deer that were the bucks we're seeing are the younger bucks because the rut has not kicked off yet. I mean, if you can be here two weeks later when the rut does finally kick off it's just a whole different you're going to see a whole different set of deer that you you don't ever see any and but they don't ever get killed because the season's over right so i mean and those are your mature deer which need to be taken out of the herd and then let's let these younger ones come up and because they are the more prolific breeders well that is Excuse me, as Josh mentioned, I mean, there is some chasing going on right now. There is a little bit, yeah. It's But it, it's probably not to the point yet to where it's like going crazy. Oh, no, no. We're, we're still we're still one cold snap away from it happening. <laughs> so. well, let's talk about that a little bit. It, it's been a little bit on the chilly and airy side, <laughs> has it not? Been a little frosty. Been a little frosty. <laughs> But, you know, with the, with the wind that we've had the last two days, the weather, the overcast, I mean, mule deer, they're, they're, they're a different animal. They're not like whitetail, you know. I mean, they, they would rather lay up and stay in a, on, a, on a sunny side of a, of a bush out of the wind a little longer before they get up in the mornings. And so you can get out there and bang the bush all you want to to try to find them, but... Mule deer are probably the hardest animal when they lay down. They're probably one of the hardest animals I've ever seen to try to find and get them up to, to hunt them. No doubt. I mean, I've literally all but stepped on them, particularly in kind of this kind of oak country like we're you hunting bet. in to where you, you just don't see them until all of a sudden. And a lot of times I've had them not get up until I'd walk past That's them. Right. That's right. So I, I learned a long time ago that hunting in this kind of country, you look in front of you, you look either side, but 
You also look behind you once in a while because sometimes they'll wait for you to go by and then they'll finally get up and move. You know, Larry, we talked about that yesterday, the importance of whether you're walking or driving or glassing or whatever you're doing, if you stop at a spot for a few minutes and then you go to move, stop again for just a second. A lot of times that second pause, they get nervous and they got to go That's now. That's right. <laughs> the first time they know you're there, everything, you know, they're, they're hidden, they're, they feel safe, they're not going to move. But when you go to move and you stop again and give it an, an extra minute or two, they can't handle that. And they've got to get up and they've got to go. Whether it's a whitetail or a mule deer or whatever it might be, that, um, you know, that flight, that flight, uh, that need to get up and get out of there really kicks in. And you see a lot more animals that you might not see if you just stopped for a second and went on down the road or if you stopped walking and then kept going. Just that little bit of hesitation for whatever reason kicks in that prey instinct and they, they got to get up and they go. They got to move. Yeah. And we really saw <laughs> yeah. that a lot. And you know, something I wanted to mention real quick is the uh, kind of bittersweet bonus to this trip. And it's um, it's bitter for for Craig and his guys, but just the sheer amount of wild hogs that are in this area right now. And it's a bonus for the hunter though, because you know, once we get our white tail or mule deer or whatever, we get to go out there and, and, hunt, and hunt pigs. And they can be challenging as well. And I think just in this camp, the past couple of days, we've probably killed 10 hogs at least, you know, at this point. And uh, we need to do a whole lot more apparently, but they're out there and in numbers that really are surprising. All this old country, particularly the Shinnery, has a tendency in certain years to produce a fair amount of acorns. And when it does, it, it looks like the hogs take great advantage of those. Yeah, they, they do. Uh, you know, the years that the, we don't have the acorns, you know, they, they what they end up doing is they end up tearing up all of our food plots. You know, they'll, they'll go in a 10-acre a food plot in one night and wipe out a whole food plot. And I mean, you turn around, you got to replant. And, and I mean, they're, they're, the devastation is, is horrible when it comes to the pigs. And yes, unfortunately, Eddie, I do have a zillion <laughs> of pigs. Uh, but, uh, you know, but I mean, that's one reason why also anybody that comes out, I mean, that's included in a hunt. Sure. You know, you tell, if you want to kill 10 of them that show up, then have a good time at it. Kill 10 of them, you know. Yeah, there's, there's no bag limit, there's no size <laughs> limit. No, they're and not. And y'all have them here from everything from day old pigs to, you know, 300 pounds pound pound you, you bet. Boars with you bet. substantial teeth and, and some I, of them. I bring it up because you don't think of this country in particular no. for hogs, you, you know, don't. and you really don't. You think it's a little too far north, a little, a little far west, and, you know, that's just not where a lot of pigs are going to be. But sure enough, they can make a living just about anywhere they go. And this is proof in the pudding here that they are, they are there. And they're unbelievably adaptive. I've seen hogs up in the high country of Colorado above Timberline, and I've seen it down in the desert in Mexico and in the cold country in some of the far north country. I mean, even where you guys are up in, in Michigan, where the headquarters is up there, it's not uncommon almost in that area to, 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 to run across hogs every once in a while. I know I've run across them in, like in uh, Ohio and, and, uh, and even up in Canada at time mm. or two. Wow. They're interesting animals because they really adapt to so many different types of terrain, temperature variants, uh, food availabilities. Uh, they, they seem to be able to make it on just about anything. 
Well, and you know, and that's also you know one thing that people also need to understand though is those hogs are, are predators, and I mean they're hard on on my fawn crop every year. I mean they'll be the first one that a little baby fawn jumps up and they they see it, they're they're going to take it out. Mm-hmm. I mean they're they're bad. Most people think hogs are slow, you know, mm-hmm. uh, they just kind of move around, but they're you're right, they're amazingly fast. They are. Years ago, we were. I was working on one of the ranches in South Texas, down uh, below San Antonio, up north of Laredo, and we could not increase our fawn survival rate. And we were shooting coyotes, and we were doing everything right, more than sufficient food. And so this is goes back years ago, before we were shooting uh, hogs out of helicopters. So this happened to be some property that belonged to the governor of Texas, and he was able to get me a permit. We shot 20 hogs during the time when those fawns were being born, and right after and which there is in middle of July and 18 out of the 20 hogs that we shot of sizable hogs had fawns in them. No way. That's wow. So we started going in and really knocking hard on the the uh, wild hog population and guess what our fawn survival rate started increasing so but you, you, so, you know like people don't realize how fast some of these hogs are and how yeah. long they can run something. I mean they're their stamina, most people think, well, they just maybe run a little bit short distance, but they can run for a long time. And, and of course, they've got noses in, in terms of being able to smell things that are phenomenal. So, you know, a lot of times people say, well, the first few days that fawn really doesn't have any kind of odor or anything like that. But that may be true to us, but it's not necessarily true right. to those hogs that are out there. Eddie, you mentioned the, the Huron scope. Why, why, why the Huron? How did, how did the Huron? And with my saying that, I've used it and I loved it. I love it because it's also available in a thirty millimeter tube, and it's a very lightweight scope. And even though we're talking, you mentioned it might be some of an entry, and it was really kind of designed, as I recall, for white-tailed deer hunters. But I'll tell you what: if I were taking a, a scope to the mountains and didn't want to have a whole lot of weight with that setup with the reticle that it has that is an absolutely fantastic hunting reticle period but so how did the heron come to be yeah you know at trichicon we've just got a whole bunch of hunters on staff i mean pretty much everybody who's there hunts and and you know right right from our our founder and owner is just a huge hunter and so we've always wanted to continue to increase our product offering for folks who hunt and one area where we didn't have something that just was absolutely perfect was for the north american white-tailed deer hunter who does like you said want something that's light has a real intuitive reticle um, and so what we did is we developed that Huron from the ground up specifically for that so as, as Eddie kind of alluded to it's the exact same quality glass that's in our top-of-the-line AccuPoint same adjusters same everything so it's got the same quality build it's got that same and I think you know and you've experienced this obviously Larry but when somebody first looks through a Huron or any of our Trichicon scopes they just comment on my goodness I didn't know it could be this clear like the clarity you just Absolutely. have to experience it and it right and I'll say it's even hard to experience it in a store it really it's best experienced if you can go outside so even like if you're if you're shopping for a scope I highly recommend to people you know go into the store ask them hey can I take a couple of these scopes outside you can come with me 
you know, if you want to. But let me look outside and actually see what it looks like when you're looking through natural light and seeing a distance um, and what that difference is. Because that's what you really can tell the difference in a quality scope. And so having that same quality glass and that Huron enables, you know, that white-tailed deer hunter to be able to have incredible light transmission at those key moments of time, which is, of course, you know, like we've experienced here, right at, right at dawn, right at dusk, when those, uh, those deer are really moving. And so having that great light transmission gives you that great quality and then having those intuitive uh, that hunter holds reticle so basically for all your common deer cartridges you're not going to have to do anything with that reticle to have all your drops just dialed in so you're going to zero it at 50 and that same zero is going to be at 200 and your next line down is going to be your 300 you just it's all set up and you know we've had a lot of people come in and use those we've obviously you know showed it to the media and they've gotten to come out and they've all commented on how just very easy that is to just come out there and have such confidence in your scope that you're going to have all those drops built in be able to take that shot that's right at that edge that you're comfortable with you know you got this shot and the scope is there for you with that reticle so that's kind of how we built the Huron was with that need in mind of that white-tailed deer hunter and understand how we could kind of build that feature set for them and still come in at a price point where it makes sense uh, for them to have that quality piece of glass on top of that deer rifle. When that, the, that was being built and developed, what caliber round range were y'all looking at? Really, really the core 300s, you know, so the stuff that folks are very comfortable and regularly shooting with, so your 30 out 6 your 300, just all of the folks, that, you know, all those kind of core calibers right. people are going to use, that 3030, all going to fall into this same ballistic, uh, you know, model that's going to enable those drops to, to be consistent it's work. It's fast, it's very simple, and you really yeah. don't have to be thinking about it. And so very often, when you do get a shot at one of those really big bucks, you want it that way. You don't want to have to be thinking about, well, I got to do this, I got to do this. All you want to do is go, okay, this is the whole bang, pull the trigger. Yep, know? exactly. Now, I've played around with several of those scopes and different calibers, and it is amazing how accurate they are and how true they are to those, those lines that are in there. Sure. Yeah, our engineers, I mean, that's what they do, right? So they, they really worked on it hard and uh, to be able to come up with something that, again, could be intuitive and, and give you also the confidence you can have in a Trigicon scope that the durability is going to be there. So, you know, we always come up with, the, you know, every drop shouldn't be followed by a warranty claim. You know, if you hit it up against a tree, you shouldn't have to worry about, oh, man, did I just break it? And is that zero still going to hold? So we put all of our scopes through a testing regimen uh, that we call the Science of Brilliant, and that enables, you know, you to, as the hunter to have confidence that no matter what you do with that scope you're going to have it it's going to be ready for you when you want to take that shot you're not going to have to worry about oh man i dropped it or i bumped it up against the tree when i was pulling it up and you don't have to worry about that because you're always going to have it there so having you know all the great quality glasses in the world is going to help you if you know you've just broken it because you dropped it and that's not going to happen with church con so uh, that battle proven you know heritage that we've got we transferred true, into true. these hunting yes. scopes so yeah, and, that, and that's a big part of what you guys do as well, too, is it not? Oh, yeah. I mean, the the heritage of Trichicon obviously comes from the ACOG, and uh, the Marine Corps adopted that almost 30 years ago, and now just this year adopting the VCOG, which is the variable power version, basically, of an ACOG, just as battle-proven and durable. Um, and so that heritage of uh, building products that can survive on the battlefield has carried that into our hunting optics. So, that, again, you can have that confidence in it when you take it out in the field. One of the things I really enjoy about the beyond everything else you just mentioned is the fact those people that work for Trigicon are true users of the product. And they put it through the faces, and particularly on the hunting side, <laughs> yeah. which is what I'm associated with. Eddie, how did you get involved? I mean, 
you, I, I know you, you know, you and I go back to, to a long, long time ago to different companies and all those kind sure, of things. Sure. But then I, several years ago, I noticed all of a sudden, hey, Eddie Stevenson is over connected with uh, Trigicon. Well, you know, I was, I've been in the hunting industry my entire life, right out of college, and I worked for a major firearms manufacturer. And after about 14, 15 years of that, I, uh, I set out to start up my own PR and media relations company. And sure enough, Trigicon came along the exact same year. And, you know, what an awesome brand, just just the, the clout they had in the military community. And they were trying to grow, just like Josh just talked about, they were trying to grow the you know the hunting side as well and uh which is my first love you know coming exactly from that background right. and uh it, everything just lined up and it, it worked out wonderfully and i've been able to promote the brand with the the media the writers um you know everyone we work with and in, in that aspect and uh it's just when you have a, a brand and a company that well respected and, and that much quality it makes it easy to be honest with you and uh, i've loved every minute of it it's nice to be associated with a product that really does what it, or what does what it says it's going to do, and, and have the backing behind it that it does in terms of, of people more and, and technology more than anything else. And you know, and the the fact is, we're here. We're we're using the product. We get the media out there. We we do events prior to launches. We make sure things are exactly what we say they are. The quality's there. It, you know, this thing delivers one hundred percent. And. Uh, not a lot of companies can can say that sort of thing, and uh, Trigicon has always been that way, and uh, it's just a phenomenal brand. Again, it comes back down to you guys use that, use your products. So I want to know a little bit more about this white toe that you shot because I'll be very frank with you, I saw it the day before, and I was impressed with the deer and all that kind of thing, and then I found out, hey. Josh is going to get to go hunt whitetails too. So I was thrilled when I found out that you were going to go to that area. Yeah. But tell me a little bit about that hunt. Yeah, it was, it was exciting to, to be able to get out there. I didn't think I'd be able to do both a whitetail and a mule deer this week. And so, yeah, we got up, you know, obviously before dawn, got up, uh, got into a stand. Uh, we knew, you know, there's been some deer out, seen them on the trail camera. So uh, we got in there. And actually before, before there was any real light out, I just I was you know just looking out and you could see some bushes and that kind of thing and I saw a form kind of moving right and uh, just one though and you know just by looking at the basic outline that I could see of it I was like that just doesn't doesn't look like an outline of a doe it just looks too big you right know? it just doesn't look right so I was just hoping it was going to hang around and you know it it, it you kind of went off in the brush and couldn't see it for a bit but kept you know the light started coming on a little more. Got the binos out, and as Eddie mentioned, he was out there with me. And it was great to have him to be able to have another set of eyes trying to see, you know, what we actually had there. Yes, and, sir. Uh, yes, sir. You know, he was he was grazing around, so being able to try to pick out what he really had as far as the rat goes was was tricky. And so it took us, you know, probably 20 minutes or so of, of the light starting to come on to actually be able to see what we had there. And man, we started even still when we were seeing it, we were like. Looks like he's a solid eight point. It looks, you know, and obviously the, his neck looked good, um, and uh, just you know looked like a little older deer. And so definitely decided, all right, we're just gonna take him. And so again, it was still dim light, so it was definitely great. The scope worked great for me in that situation because again, having that that low light, you just get so much light transfer that comes through. And then I use a mine's a green reticle because I like that. I really like how green stands out. I do too. That's my favorite by far. I, the ones that I have. And I want more, yeah. <laughs> obviously, but uh, absolutely, that is the, the, the greatest as far as I'm concerned. 
Yeah, particularly, you just think about, you know, the colors of animals, right? What the colors you're going to be shooting against and you where I want to show up. The green just shows up so well, and it, it, I think it helps you be more accurate when you have an illuminated reticle because it helps your eye draw into it. It, it just, does, it yes, just sir, focuses no you down into that point. It's a lot harder, I find, with just a simple crosshair to get your eye. You can do it, but uh, it's, it's almost like cheating, you know. You're just making it a little easier on yourself <laughs> by having the green dot there. So, you know, I put that, put that green dot right there, right there on him. And uh, you know, do the do the slow squeeze of the trigger, and uh, you know, Eddie, you know, he was commenting afterwards. We saw this deer. It's like, you know, that Hornady bullet. It, went, it hit him, and he he ran off, but he was running off as if he was running from the sound of the shot. It was like he almost didn't hadn't known he was shot yet, and he just kind of ran off to the side and then stopped a little bit away, like you know, okay, what was that sound? And then started to walk almost back a little bit, and then just fell right over. Yeah, ended up being, you know, again, not more than 50 feet from where, you know, I shot him. And uh, so it's just, which again, unfortunately for Eddie, you know, he didn't get to do as much tracking as he wanted to do <laughs> exactly. with, uh, with Pico here. Right. But uh, we still got Pico out there just to see what we could do. But man, that, yeah, that bullet just, just absolutely destroyed. It just, just dropped him right down. I absolutely love that ELDX bullet from Hornady. I've, I've shot it in a lot of different caliber and a lot of different rounds. And to me, it, it's, it, it's like Trigicon. It, it's simply the best there is. I, over the years, when I was with Shooting Times, a bunch of other gun writing I did over the years, I got a chance to work with several different gun companies and, and also ammo companies. And to me, I've never run across a bullet that is as accurate or as deadly as what that particular bullet is. And, and I've shot everything from some big stuff down to some little stuff. So, and, uh, and again, in a great variety of calibers, a great variety of rounds. Um, and I, again, I, I dearly love the AccuPoint, and, and I've had the opportunity to use the Huron in, in several. They're, they're what four or so? Yeah, four of different, uh, yeah, different magnification options. You got right, and I've, I've, I've had a chance to play with three of those, and I love the one that's got the thirty millimeter tube. Uh, I've played around with it, and again, it's just absolutely amazing how true it works on all that. With this one, I came in, and I've got one of the ten mile scopes. Mm. And I will tell you that after having shot the Huron and the uh, the uh, AccuPoint, it took me a little bit to get used to the particular reticle that was in there. But once I've gotten used to the reticle that it's set up in there, I've used that gun now in a 280 Remington in the, uh, uh, I think it's 150 grain ELDX Hornet bullet. I've used it in Missouri and I've used it here and had an opportunity to take an old buck that, that Craig and I kind of been looking for for a last two years at least, right, Craig? Every bit of it, yes, sir. Just an old, the big, old big, absolutely gorgeous... Six-point. Six-point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's beautiful. Brown times, you know, and, and the two, and a back point and a main beam. And, and uh, he came in uh, this morning, actually, and, and uh, came in in the early morning and uh, before it really got light and then disappeared. And I, I mentioned to the cameraman, we're actually doing a show for Trigicon's World of Sports and Field on this hunt. And uh, I told the cameraman, uh, hey, Joe Satori, and I said, Joe, I said, if that buck comes back later and nothing else comes in, because we were looking for a really nice 10 point or something like that, and if, if, if he comes back in, he's not going to leave this field. Well, when I hit him, he did leave the field, but it was only by about 15, 20 steps from the field that, that he left it. But the absolutely gorgeous old deer, about a six, maybe even seven year old deer, and, and it's great. Kind of, we've really kind of looked for this deer the last couple of years and trying to find him. And so 
this is one of those times where uh, we were at the right place at the right time. But you mentioned that deer too had been showing up all over the ranch oh, at one time. Or yeah, another. yeah. I mean, as far as six miles away from from hmm. from where we where you shot him this morning, right? Uh, you know, and that's also that just means that he's probably breeding a lot of does spread out <laughs> all over the place as well. So those genetics are here. Uh, so as as you know, when we were driving away, <laughs> exactly, there was a hot, a hot doe, and, and lo and behold, I'm, we're pretty pretty sure it was one of his sons chasing <laughs> right behind her. I mean, he almost looked identical. He did. So. He wasn't quite as big, but I yeah. mean, in terms of antlers, and of course, this was a pretty good sized body deer as well too, the one that I shot. But uh, there's no doubt that he had almost exactly the same antler style. So I guess we have another hit list. Here. <laughs> <laughs> You know, it's always good to have some of those hit list deer. Yeah, it, like. <laughs> it is. It is. You know, I guess my thing about it is is doing the kind of my style, what I've always done, which is low pressure, high success. Some of those deer get through every year, unfortunately. I mean, we, yeah, even with the MLD, we can go in later in the season and try to find them, but they're, they're just as hard to find late as they are early. Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, so, you know, we... we we end up taking probably anywhere from six to ten calls a year out of out of the after all the hunts are done. Right. You know, we I have a hit list of deer that are on cameras and everything else, and we will go out and we will try to find those and eliminate those deer in the process. Um, those are the ones that people they pass them all year long. They're just they're not going to pay money for them, and so a lot of that stuff. Whenever we take them, we We'll uh, grind up the deer meat or we'll process the deer meat and we'll give it to the hunters for the hungry or I donate it to the church right, or somewhere right. and, and they'll give it to the hungry people. So anything that we'd always take here is always passed along to somebody that's that might be more needy or in a needier position at that time. You know, so it's all about success of the ranch in the long run. That's what we're looking for. You also, and I want to get, touch on this just a little bit, y'all also run beef here. This is a it cattle is. ranch. It is. Yes, sir. What particular breed of beef do you have here that we ate some of tonight <laughs> that you could cut with a fork that had a flavor that is second to none, very properly prepared, I might add, by you, Craig, <laughs> on an open That's, fire. But yeah. uh, what breed is it? Those, those are the, the Akaushi beef. Which is again the Japanese beef. It's not. It's not wagyu. Right. It's it's a red Japanese beef is what it is. Uh, but yeah, we we've, we've been raising them here. I guess now going on probably seven or eight years. And uh, very fortunate that uh, whenever we do slaughter, I keep back usually about a half a beef for hunting season, and then and that's what I feed our guests whenever they come in. You know, if they want us to cook for them, the ones that don't want us to cook for them, sorry about them, they don't get in those freezers. <laughs> <laughs> but no, we, we, it is, it's a, it's a really, uh, uh, they call it, uh, you know, the, the heart brand is, is kind of the company that brought it over here and got it started. And, yes, sir. Uh, you know, you know them well from your part of the world down there by LaGrange and in that area. Yes, sir. Uh, but they, uh, it's heart healthy beef. Uh, the the fat content in them is kind of supposed to be equal to or that consistency of an olive oil. 
so it's not as hard on your arteries and everything else. So what gets that is, as you noticed, uh, whenever you cut into them, yeah, there is a, there is a lot of marbling throughout these beef. Uh, they're, you know, pretty much they're 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 pretty solid. That's all I can say about them. Just, I've had over the last two cook times that I've cooked them, I've had people tell me those that's the best be best steaks they've ever put in their mouth. Oh, they are. They yeah. are. You know, and that's like I say, I'm not saying that's the cook. By any means, but well, I'll say the cook had certainly something to do with it. <laughs> but you're starting with an unbelievable piece of meat to begin with. We are, we are. So, but yeah, we—that's the main beef. But now I'm going on to bigger and better things. And I, this year, I've started breeding Red Angus to Black Wagyu bulls. So that's going to be another beef that we're going to be testing out and here in the next few years to see what. What, what, we want to know what makes the best beef as well because whenever we're looking at the Hardgrove name, I mean, whether it be through the hunting operation or through the cattle operation, we want to be known that, hey, we're going to produce the top stuff no matter what. It's it, we're, we're looking to be the best at everything we're doing. So... I think you've done it. Yeah. <laughs> and, I, and I want to volunteer to be one of the tasters. The tasters, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah, we can make that happen. Okay, yeah. We can make that happen. <laughs> I suspect Josh and Eddie might volunteer to that part as well, too. But before I get back to Trenchcon just a little bit, tell people how the best way to get in touch with you, Craig, as far as hunting, because you have their hogs, their, their mule deer, their whitetail, uh, Turkey, turkeys, yeah, you know, have, and predators. There's an abundance of coyotes and, and a few bobcats in this country as well, mm -hmm. too. So what's the best way if somebody's interested in a hunt or to learn more about the Hardgrove ranches in terms of the hunting side of things? Uh, how, how can they get in touch with you? Well, you know, I mean, and, and people have to forgive me because during hunting season, I don't take a whole lot of time to update, update my pages, but... The, uh, I do have a Facebook page, which is Hardgrove Hunts. We do have a website, which is www.hardgrovehunts.com. And then I've got an Instagram page, which is Hardgrove Hunts as well. Uh, but then also, if people want to directly contact me, email is always the best. And it's uh, Craig at hardgroveinsurance.com. That's C-R-A-I-G at Hardgrove, and that's Hardgrove with a V insurance spelled out.com because this is my second job so <laughs> uh but no that's craig at hargroveinsurance.com and then uh i always call my cell phone 325-660-4274 can you repeat that slower this time 325-660-4274 so yeah and i mean and when i'm out here at the ranch it doesn't ring a lot because we're in one of the greatest places out here that phones don't work. Uh, I, I mean, love it. I love phones it. don't work most of the time. So, yeah. But if people leave me a message, a message, I always tell people, I said, you may not think that I'm calling you back, but give me a few days. I promise you I will always call you back. You it do. just takes you me do. a little, little while to get there. Uh, but uh, those are the ways to get in touch with me. I've had numerous contacts through Facebook this year. Uh, so, you know, that's that's always a way to do it. Uh, usually I can answer those if it's late at night and I happen to be sitting in the right chair to get the right service. So, uh, but, uh, yeah, anytime anybody wants to call, leave them, I always tell people, leave me a message. I will get back with you. 
and we'll make sure. This is my third year being here, and I can't wait to come back next year, to be frank with you. Uh, absolutely fantastic hunting, great facilities, out-of-this-world people, and the food is, you know, don't come here thinking you're going you're gonna to lose weight because <laughs> I don't care how much you walk or what you do, you're still going to gain four, five, six, seven, eight pounds while you're here kind of thing. Well, we, 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 we may not succeed the other way, but you're not going to go on hungry. <laughs> you do succeed the other way as well, too. Eddie and, and Josh, uh, Trigicon is continually moving forward. I know that there you brought some products down that we're not going to be able to talk about at this moment. But, uh, you know, y'all are continually working on new products. Is there anything that's kind of coming down the mill since it looked like we're not, well, obviously we're not having a shot show this year? that we can kind of maybe give people and, and maybe a little hint of some things that are happening and, and uh, you know, and then give the website to where, or the source where they can find this information. Sure, yeah. So, I mean, this year, you know, despite, obviously, it's, it's been an odd year, as we all yes. know. Um, but, you know, the Trichicons continue to push forward, you know, with innovation. Our engineers continue to work and turn out new products. So, we, you know, we released here a couple months ago the RMRCC, so not not specifically a hunting optic. It's more specifically targeted to go on a, in a pistol, particularly a compact pistol. Um, now the RMR, it's it's a, it's big brother there, a little bit bigger version of the same thing. Obviously, is certainly a hunting optic. I know you've used the yeah, RMR. Oh, absolutely. I've gotten to where I, I used to use a lot of variable long eye release scopes, and they have been replaced by those now simply because of the fact that they're quick to use, quick to get on site, you know, and all those kind of great things. And, don't weigh nearly as much and aren't as cumbersome and the list just goes on and on and on yeah yeah there's it's it's amazing when people have that transition over from an iron sight pistol to a pistol with a red dot on it so the rmr is obviously you know the market leading uh optic to go on top of a pistol and the rmrcc which we released just a couple months ago is now that same optic just shrunk down to be able to fit on a perfectly on a compact pistol right. so for those folks who want to carry with an optic they now have an option for trigicon with the rmrcc so very excited to have that come out and uh and yes as you mentioned you know there's there's always new products in the pipeline with trigicon and even though shot show's not happening in january keep an eye out and you know in that time frame and then even throughout the year we've got things scheduled and planned so lots of exciting things still coming uh, so definitely check out, you know, Trigicon.com. Obviously, our website has all the latest updates in there. Also, follow us on social or at Trigicon or at Trigicon Hunt, which is uh, on all the, all the main channels. Uh, so that's where you get up the latest information. And you might even win an occasional optic or do some other things on there, too. We do some interesting things on there and social. So definitely give us a follow. Well, if I can get back to the office anytime soon, you'll also see a picture of your deer, <laughs> and we'll do that on Trigicon Hunt. And, yeah. And uh, we'll try to mention a little bit about going hunt with Craig on that one as well, too. Eddie, anything that you want to add to this before we close it out? No, think- You're getting ready to go back to some place else. Josh has got to go on, and I'm still hunting another extra day, so. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to try to pick out a couple of days to hunt on my own, you know, and try to take my little boy Wesley and Perfect. get him a big buck before the season's over and get ready for Christmas. But uh, otherwise, we're, we're ready for the new year. Look forward to catching up with you guys somewhere, either in this hunting camp or the, maybe another one down the road somewhere. Absolutely. DSC's Untamed Heritage is also brought to you by Texas Wildlife Association, working for tomorrow's wildlife today.
Wildlife Systems, serving hunters and landowners since 1987. Kenetrek Boots, for the trail less traveled. Ruger, rugged, reliable firearms. Pyramid Air, your one stop for everything air gun.